We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. Um, So we're dealing with um, the purpose of the redemption plan. And I said last week that it's also the, um, it could also be double named as the purpose of the gospel. Um, we've been exploring all that the work of Christ on the cross did and what that saved us and brought us into. And so we went through all of that. The end result of the gospel is the coming of the kingdom. I laid the foundation and I said that kingdom has always been on God's mind, Right? I explained what kingdom was, Mamlakar in the Hebrew, um, Basilia in the Greek, what they mean and how a kingdom is always a reflection of the ideals or the preferences of the sovereign in charge. Remember all of that? And I went through all of that as well. And I talked about how man was created and introduced into the kingdom system. And that was how God intended to rule the earth. So I'll pick up from where we left off last week. And the last, sort of the last thing I was talking about last week was where I showed you in Exodus 19 that um, God's intention was for all of Israel to be kings and priests, right? And then, of course, it didn't go according to plan. And then you get to, I, was, I got into First Samuel where the guys, I think in chapter 5, asked God to give them a king like other nations, right? And, and, and God was offended by that because he had always wanted to be the king, God has always wanted a kingdom extended in the earth that was a replica or, or, or representation of what is in heaven. And he had always wanted to be the one who governed. And I explained to you last week that government or kingdom in God's scheme of things is partnerships. Not a king and subject, a king and kings. Hence he's called king of kings, right? That was very crucial. Not king of subjects. And I think we should read that scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 8, I read the whole thing um, really as quickly as my voice will allow me to read. So you can understand where God was coming from. Um, for the benefit of those of us who have only King James Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter 8 and verse 1. As Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons to be judges over Israel, Joel and Abijah, his oldest sons, held court in Beersheba, but they were not like their father, for they were greedy for money. I'm reading from the NLT. They accepted bribes and perverted justice. Finally, all the elders of Israel met at Ramah to discuss the matter with Samuel. Look, they told him, you are now old and your sons are not like you. Give us a king to judge us like all the other nations have. Let me try and behave like a man of God. Where was I? Let me bring my pastor voice. Verse 6. Samuel was displeased with their request and went to the Lord for guidance. Mm. Do everything they say to you, the Lord replied, for they are rejecting me and not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Ever since I brought them from Egypt... They have continually abandoned me and followed other gods. I'll read verse 7 again. NLT. 
do everything they say to you, the Lord replied to Samuel. To do anything, Israel said to him, for they are rejecting me, the Lord, not you, Samuel. They don't want me to be their king any longer. New King James says, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. So God's desire was to be the one who exclusively reigned over Israel, over his people. God wanted the government of the people to be by God. And so NLT says, they don't want me to be their king any longer. So it wasn't Samuel or his sons that they rejected. It was the kingship of God. Ever since they abandoned me, blah, 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 blah. And then see verse 21, verse 21 and 22. After, after they all warned about what the king will do to them, take their daughters, you know, take their lands, blah, blah, blah. They refused and they said, we want the king. In verse 22, the Lord replied, do as they say and give them a king. New King James says, heed their voice and make them a king. So this was not God's intention. This was God conceding to the wiles of the people. And even that was God showing them his love. Because if God's justice and wrath were to take place of his love, he would have killed all of them. And gone back and probably started off a new offspring with Samuel. You don't want a king, then you don't deserve to live. Wipe them all off the face of the earth. And so he concedes to them. Not because that was his original design, but well, they want a king. Okay, so you Samuel, you Samuel, give them a king. Or make them a king. You would think that in doing that, God hands off Israel. But no, he tells Samuel, give them a king. And still goes behind and tells Samuel who the king should be. So God is such a hapless lover. He can't stop loving. Because if you said, give them a king, it means God is like, you know what, I don't care. You guys sort yourselves out. You've rejected me as king, right? You want to do your thing? Be my guest. But he still goes behind and tells Samuel, I I will show you who should be king. And he, he identifies Saul and Saul becomes king. And unfortunately, Saul's kingship doesn't last more than a few chapters of 1 Samuel. And he loses it in chapter 15, I believe. The Amalek story I told you last week. And I told you that the, the, what Bartimaeus would have been shouting was, Jesus, thou son of Saul, have mercy on me. Some of you found that to be profound. But that's what it was. It, it, it would have been an everlasting kingdom that God took away from Saul and handed over to his neighbor, David. Yeah? Tribe of Benjamin, tribe of Judah. If you read the formations of the camp of Israel, and the parts that became Israel and the part that became Judah, you realize that the tribes of, the the land of Judah was the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. And then the ten tribes of the northern kingdom, yeah, were ruled by Jeroboam, son of Nabat, I believe. Right? 
and then Rehoboam, son of Solomon, ruled over the land that now became known as Judah, which were the ones that were retained as God's people, as it were. So you see how deliberate God is in, in Samuel telling Saul in 1 Samuel 15 that the land, the kingdom has been taken away from you, Benjamite, and given to your neighbor, Judah, from where David came. Make sense? That's how David gets plugged into the whole thing. So God has always been very big on kingdom. In Genesis 3, man fell. Somewhere along parts 2, 3, 4, I can't remember exactly, I give you seven things or six things that man lost when he fell, right? We said that man lost his, he tampered with his seed, he tampered with his supply, he tampered with his immunity, he tampered with his immortality, with his citizenship, his connection is cold now, and fellowship. I highlighted three things there to bring into what we're dealing with, which is the kingdom culture. His immunity, his citizenship, and his connection and fellowship with God. I'll extract those three points and summarize them in the fact that man lost his connection, his rights, his privileges as both the governed and the governor. So man lost his connections, rights, and privilege to be a king under God the king. Do you understand? In summary. Because, you know, in Genesis 1, God said, let us now make man in our own image and let us now make man in our own image as a result of them being in our image, give them dominion. And that word dominion right there, the first thing God makes mention of in reference to man is the word mamlaka in the Hebrew, which is the word kingdom. So let us now make man in our own image and let them have the kingdom. The word dominion there is the word kingdom. Not a physical place because they're already there in Eden. Let them have dominion, authority, government in the earth. Let them have dominion. So when man fell, man lost the kingdom. In a nutshell. Do you understand? Along with its rights, privileges. That's why later on Paul will come and tell us in, in Philippians 3.20 that now our citizenship is in heaven. Because what Christ does is restore you to your rightful place as the kingdom. Are we together? So he lost his rights both as the governed and as the governor. And I, I said last week that he declared independence from his original colonial master, even though it was a partnership government. Are you following me? That's the idea of kingdom. So when man fell, man lost the right to govern. Man lost the right to be in charge of his affairs as it were on God's behalf. So now man comes and declares in the Garden of Eden, declares independence from God. He doesn't want to be governed by God anymore. Satan or the serpent succeeded in making man believe that he was being marginalized by God. God doesn't want you to know. Are you following me? I'm staying within natural territory so you can stay with me. 
God doesn't want you to know now. God is cheating you. There's more resources than God gave you. God says you shouldn't eat anything. No, not everything. I should eat everything, but not this one. Why? If you eat this one, he said you will die. No, you will not die. It's just exploiting you. In fact, when you eat it, you now become wise. You now come into more access of who you are that God doesn't want you to have. Oh, wait, by the time you get this, man, you'd, you, can look, you can look after yourself. You can govern yourself. Why do you need God? And so man declares independence, publishes his own passport, changes his own thing, brings about a fresh phenomenon, sin, discards his original identity, righteousness, anarchy and chaos come into the earth. Every anarchy and chaos that came into the earth are not God's punishment for sin. They are the consequences for declaring independence from the government of God. That's why I said to you that God has always had one problem, sin. The root of every evil is sin. So once the sin problem is taken care of, every adjunct evil is taken care of. Every consequential act, every fallout is taken care of. So the cross, by his blood, came to deal with sin. Does that make sense? So we declare independence from God by virtue of sin. And then we are trying to self-govern. As we saw in 1 Samuel chapter 5. We don't want the government of God. We don't want the kingship of God. So we start to invent alternative methods of government. Communism. Democracy. Dictatorships. And so far, if the alternative methods of government had worked, the earth would not be as messed up as it is today. So clearly, the chaos in the world is expressly a result of the rejection of the government of God. Are you following me? Because man abdicated from the government of God. Man removed himself from the kingdom of God and therefore wants to self-govern. And so like 1 Samuel 5, God allows them to their whims and caprices. Let's see what you can come up with. So there's no perfect form of government in the earth. None. None. Why? Because the only perfect form of government is the kingdom of God. Hmm. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? It's the kingdom of God. That's, that's the perfect government. And until we understand and realize that, that it is the the issues that are out of place in the earth are out of place because of man's rejection of God's government. There cannot be peace in the earth. So, th- so there will be anarchy in the earth until this earth passes away and all things are reconciled to God. Does that make sense? But those of us who embrace the government and kingdom of God in the earth can live in what is to come now. Yes. Are you, are you, am I making sense? Do you understand? So what is to come is as much existent now as it will be when it comes. Make sense? So I can live in heaven's system, heaven's ideals, heaven's government now. I can declare independence, as it were, figuratively from the powers that control me and live by heaven's standards in the midst of a crazy earth. That's his kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. Do we understand? So Jesus comes to to restore that kingdom because that's what we lost when we fell. How am I doing? So 
in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, I showed you that last week. That was the first mention, the first words as it were that Jesus made mention of when he came to do ministry. And it says he came to preach the kingdom. The kingdom I also showed you last week where the, um, so, or was the subject of his last teachings, right? You saw that? The last things he said were themed after the kingdom. During the earthly ministry of Jesus, this is where we're going into now, he established the kingdom as the priority for the believer. Let's see Matthew 6, 33. I've mentioned this at some point during the series as well. Matthew 6, 33. Religion will make you feel like you don't need to turn to it because you know it. You realize that's religion and pride. So sometimes you feel like, well, I know it. Well, let's see. Matthew 6, 33. I need to even find it in my Bible. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We'll come to what these things are. In a bit, because they are, contained, they are contained in the verses preceding verse 33. God says, Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Later on in Luke, you see where they asked him to show them the kingdom. Or to tell them when the kingdom would come. And he says to them that the kingdom is within you. Other translations say the kingdom is among you. Seek ye first his Kingdom and his righteousness. Look at this. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is giving. A child is born, but a son was given inside the child that was born. The child that was born contained the son that was given. It's the givingness, don't write that in the exam, of the son that necessitated the burning of the child. The child being born was a container of the son that had been given. It wasn't the child that was slain from the foundation of the world. It was the son that was the lamb. Do you understand? So unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. First thing, under... No. Under what? Mamlaka shall be upon us. What did he come to do? Take back the kingdom. Earlier on, I showed you months ago how he is God because his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And of the increase of that government, there shall be no end. So again, what was the focus of Christ's coming? The kingdom. Let's, let's, let's go there. Let's, let's see it. Hebrew, Isaiah 9, 6. That's not in my notes. It just came up. Is anybody getting this? Isaiah 9, 6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, NLT. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Seven, his government and its peace will never end. He will what? Rule with fairness and justice from the throne of where? His ancestor David for all 
Let's <laughs> read good old King James. Upon the throne, there will be no end. Upon the throne of, of the increase of his government, verse 7, and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. So the, the coming of the son in the child that was born was to restore and order an everlasting kingdom. That's why Colossians says that he has translated us from, from kingdom to kingdom. Are you following this? So he now says in Matthew 6, secure the kingdom. He came preaching the kingdom. So Jesus never preached Christ, but Jesus preached Christ. Because the kingdom is Christ and Christ is the kingdom. So every time he sent them out to preach the kingdom, he sent them out to preach a system that he represented. Do you understand? So invariably, he preached Christ. Because Christ is the kingdom. Christ is, came to restore us to the kingdom. Christ came to restore us to himself. To reconcile us to himself. Not just us, but all things. So it's not just the reconciliation of the believer or of the person, but the reconciliation of all things to himself. In other words, let's restore to the Eden state of being. Where animals are subject to man. Where man has dominion. Are we following? So he says, seek the kingdom and its righteousness. The righteousness of the kingdom. And Romans 3 says, verse 21 I believe, that a righteousness apart from the law has been revealed to us. Oh, 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 30 says that Christ became to us the wisdom of God. That is righteousness and redemption. So who is the right? No, let me give you one more. Second Corinthians 5, for he made him who knew no sin, verse 21, to become sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So who is the righteousness of God? Come on, you should act. I just gave you a few scriptures. After the matter of two or three, it is established. Who is the righteousness of God? Christ. Every righteousness of God is personified in Christ. So we become God's righteousness in Christ because Christ is the righteousness of God. Seek you first the kingdom and his righteousness. Seek, I told you last week, is the word zetio, right? And I said it means to pursue, to explore, to investigate, to inquire by meditation and reasoning, to learn and to understand, not to find as though what you're looking for is absent until you see it. The word zeteo in the Greek, which is the word used for seek, there is the word Z-E-T-E-O. Those of you who are writing. It means to study, pursue, explore, investigate, inquire by meditation and reasoning, learn and 
understand. So Jesus says, study, pursue, explore, investigate, inquire, learn, and understand me. For I am the kingdom, and I am its righteousness. I already warned you, it's not a message that will make you shout. So bring out those teeth. And chew. Are we together? It's clear, without any shadow of doubt, that Christ is the righteousness of God, right? It's also clear that Christ is the kingdom. The government is upon his shoulder. Of the increase of that government and its peace, there shall be no end. He's called the prince of peace. Right? He's called the son of righteousness in Revelation. So he is the kingdom. He is its righteousness. And therefore, pursue it. Study it. Explore it. Investigate it. Make the best of it. Align with Christ and Christ. He has always been the only message of the scripture. I'll give you another precedent to understand the scriptures in the light of Christ. In John chapter 4, Jesus is speaking with a Samaritan woman. I love that story. It's very, very sweet. He's hungry. They think he's hungry for food. So he sends them to go and buy food. Because that's the only way a Jewish rabbi can speak with a, an outcast Samaritan serial prostitute. Five husbands. Sixth one was not even husband. So she, was, she, had, she, was, she had a notoriety you know, about her. She was known to be a loose woman. And then not only is she a loose woman, she's Samaritan. An outcast. And then to, to make the story more interesting, the setting of the conversation is at the well of Jacob. A custodian of the promise. Son of Abraham. Yeah, according to the promise. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob's well. She's at Jacob's well. And she didn't know that what Jacob represented was here. And so, so he gets to Jacob's well and he says, you, go, you guys go on. There's, there's covenant in this place. So y'all, y'all go and buy food. And here she comes. Right on time. Travis Green says you waited. Right on time, she comes. Give me water to drink. Ah, you, you come to well and you don't have pail to draw water. What kind of person are you? And they start to talk. With the water I have, you have no clue what it is. <laughs> what are they talking about? Our fathers drank from this covenant. This has kept us for generations. You are coming to bring us a new thing that we don't know. You are saying that the water you drink, you give me to drink, I drink it, I'm not thirsty again. When our fathers drank this thing, and they are still thirsty, that's why they needed us to be made perfect. Am I in word and life? Hebrews 11. Only together with us shall they be made perfect. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they drank of the well. And they were still thirsty because the water of life was loading. Mm. 
So the Samaritan woman is telling him, Jesus, do you know what you're talking about? This covenant he has, we have drank it and drank it and drank it. We have followed God and followed God and followed God. And we still come every day to drink. And you're saying you give me water. That when I drink, I will never thirst again. He says, not, not only will it thirst again, it will flow out of you as rivers to eternal life. Like, okay, well, okay, you know, and then she now changed the discourse. She said, well, okay, uh-huh. you look like you're a prophet. That's how this narrative goes. You look like you're a prophet. Let me ask you this question that has been troubling me all my life. You people, Jews, worshiping Jerusalem. We Samaritans, we worship. So clearly she had an issue with worship. Yeah? But the common denominator at that point was water and thirst. You're a prophet, eh? I've been waiting to ask you this question. So we worship in the mountain. You, you worship in Jerusalem. Where's the correct place to worship? So she had an issue with the location of worship. And then Jesus had to say, well, it's, it's not about where you're worshiping mountain or, or Jerusalem. It, it, it's, it's about what you worship. It's about who you worship. We know who we worship. You guys, Samaritans, you don't know what you're worshiping for salvation. It's of the Jews. The time is coming and now is when those that worship the Father must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the discussion goes on. And, and Jesus is praying later on in John 14. This is John 4. John 14, John 17, Jesus is praying. In verse 17, interesting, John 17, 17. He's praying for his disciples. He says, sanctify them by thy word. Thy word is truth. And John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God. Was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Without him, the word, Logos, was nothing made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and darkness comprehended it not. Verse 14. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. No ambiguity. As the glory of the begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It's no dispute that the word in question is Christ. So when Jesus says in John 17, 17, sanctify them by thy truth, thy word is truth. Who is the sanctifying agent of the believer? Christ. Because Christ is the word, and the word is truth. Does that make sense? In Romans 8, you see the Spirit of God being used interchangeably with the Spirit of Christ. Same thing. Same thing. Pneuma in the Greek. Pneumatos. So Spirit, when Romans 8 says in verse 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The guarantee of our sonship is being led by the Spirit of God. If it's a deposit, it means we're of the same, we're cut from the same cloth as him. So he is the spirit. Hence where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Hence the words that I speak to you, spirit and life. I'm transmitting me to you. And what I'm transmitting is life. The words that I speak are me. If you receive my words, you have me. So who is spirit? Christ. Who is truth? The time is coming when, and now is when you will worship exclusively Christ. Spirit, truth, Christ. He's the only message of the scripture. On that precedence, let's come back to Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the Christ and all the system of Christ. Righteousness is to be considered or reckoning with the system of God. To be right with God. Do you understand? To be in conformity 
with God. The way the righteousness of God works is that you, you receive it, it's imputed unto you. So the moment it's imputed unto you, it's like a new OS loaded in your hard drive. You just are not able to do things this way anymore because you now have the OS, the operating system of Christ. Make sense? So when you seek Christ, the kingdom, and what it's about, and its ideals, its, its way of life, all these things shall be added unto you. So what were we seeking? What are we exploring? Don't let the word seek in this English term hold you back. Say to you, what are we exploring? What are we investigating? What are we paying attention to? What are we investing in? What are we exploring? What are we meditating on? In order to become Christ. But we all, 2 Corinthians 3.18, with unveiled faces, beholding us in a glass, the glory of the Lord. And again, the glory of the Lord is Christ. Yes. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, 2 Corinthians 4.6, he is the glory. We, we behold the glory of God in the face of Christ. Hebrews 1.3, who being the express image of his person and the brightness of his glory. So who again is the glory of God? Christ. He is the kingdom. He is the glory. He is the power. He is the righteousness. He is the blessing. (laughs) He is. He is our peace. Who has broken down the wall of partition. Who is our peace? Christ. Who is the love of God? Christ. For God commended his love towards us. For God so, so means this is how God loved the world. Christ. Are you following? Christ. It's all him. So coming into Christ for a believer changes everything. Changes everything. Everything influences everything, positively alters everything, nothing left out. Coming into Christ is, rest- is restoring yourself to God's way. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. You do business like Christ would were he on the earth. You transact like Christ would were he on the earth. You love like Christ would were he on the earth. Because guess what? He's on the earth. He's on the earth. He's talking to you now. He's listening to me talk now. No, no, I, 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 I know it does not look like it. I understand it's difficult for you to understand. But, but that's what it is. And the sooner you wrap your head around it. The more beneficial for you. There are things that you have not and will not come into until you understand you are Christ. Cut from the same cloth as him. Becoming like him in order to become like him and then to become him. That is when the kingdom comes. So he that comes into the knowledge of who he is in Christ has come into the kingdom. 
and therefore begins to operate from the kingdom. So he that comes into Christ begins to operate on the earth as his embassy of heaven. And earth at that point ain't got nothing on you. Are you getting this? So all Jesus did, justification, redemption, what's it called? Ah, should have told me. Redemption, forgiveness of sin, sanctification, righteousness, access to God, all Jesus did are elements of the restoration to the kingdom. Does that make sense? They are not ends in themselves. Their aim was to get us back to kingdom. Do you understand? Because they deal with the same problem. God has no problem. So a believer that is justified is at peace with God and men. Are you listening to me? Because the only problem God had with you was sin. And now God has no problem with you. Even with certain besetting sins. That's why Hebrews 12.1 starts by telling you, lay aside weight and sins. You are struggling with some stuff. Drop them now. Do you not know that you, you have been justified by faith? It's not drop them so that you can be justified. Do you, are you getting this thing? Yes. Uh, it, it, because it's not dependent on what you were doing. Hello? Now, therefore, lay aside the weights now. Lay aside this. Why are you misbehaving? Why are you being justified? Why? Put off your former man. You, you, you. Realize who you are now. Walk in love. Not to attain, not to make heaven. But because now you are heaven on the earth. You. They're looking for heaven. They should look at you. And because I'm heaven on earth, I love like heaven. I, I, I tolerate like heaven. I persevere like heaven. I give like heaven. I shine like heaven. I'm at peace like heaven. I'm at rest like heaven. Be- because what he did was to restore me to heaven. So the cross bridged heaven and earth. Is anybody getting this? The cross breached heaven and earth. So we actively pursue the kingdom. Can we all say that together? Say for yourself. Say, I actively pursue the kingdom. I actively study the kingdom. I actively investigate the kingdom. I actively take advantage of the kingdom. I actively press in. The kingdom. Do you not understand what it means that the kingdom of God suffers violence? And because in the days of John, the, of John the Baptist, people have been pressing in. <laughs> so that's kingdom culture one. We actively 
pursue the kingdom. And we do it as priority. We actively pursue the kingdom. And two, we actively pursue it as priority. In other words, no other life pursuit takes the place of a man who is kingdom cultured. None. None. I've said this over the years. I've taught my guys this. Look at me, everybody, if you're writing. Everybody. This is very crucial. Your full-time job is your part-time job. Your kingdom pursuit is your full-time job. What you're doing full-time now is your part-time job. Your zetio of the kingdom, your Christ pursuit is your full-time job. So we've mixed up our priorities. That's why we are suffering. That's why money is never enough. That's why money will never be enough. Listen to me. There are some things in life, Mike, that only the kingdom can pay for. Money cannot pay for everything. Only the kingdom. There are some things in life that will only answer to the kingdom. There are some things in life for which the only legal tender is the kingdom. Because Jesus did not need prayer to tear the veil and open the door. (laughs) Prayer is the key. Prayer is the key. Jesus started, you know, he didn't start with prayer. Hmm. He didn't start with prayer. He didn't start with prayer. But but you know what they call it started with prayer? 40 days and nights fasting. Prayer is not the key. He, he himself, he's the key. Let me, let me, let me, let me show you, let me show you something. Let me show you something. Jesus, the key. Jesus, the door. Jesus, the way. Jesus, the destination. I'm not telling you what Paul says. It's not harsh. This is your Bible. He is the key. He is the door. He is the way. He is the finisher. The destination. And just in case you get lost, he's the shepherd. That takes you on the way. And before you get confused, he is the truth. And just in case you think you're not going to make it, no, he is the life. This is him. It's him. So you, you, you are never and can never be without or outside him. Yes. You can't. How? For demons to come and attack you? How? For you to need deliverance? How? For you to suffer when he has not left us without a witness? How? Oh, I feel empty. No, no, you are in him. Oh, well, that explains me being in him, but how about my emptiness inside? No, in you, the fullness of God also dwells. So you exist in God, and yet God exists in you. 
You say, you want to pray, lift your eyes to heaven. You are looking in the wrong place. You're looking in the wrong place. Open your eyes. Our father in heaven was before the cross. That was Emmanuel dispensation, God with us. It's now God in us. You close your eyes and lift up your, your, your hands to heaven. He's right here. In me. And he's proud to be there. He doesn't have a problem. And that's why he says the kingdom is within you. The kingdom is in you. So when we all manifest the kingdom. We all manifest spirituals. We all manifest. The supernatural becomes natural. Natural. The extraordinary becomes ordinary. That's when we begin to legislate on the earth. That's what Jesus died for. Are you listening to me? Jesus did not die for you to make heaven. He died for you to be heaven. Is anybody getting this? I need to try and round this up. I, I can't finish this today. So we, you have me? We actively pursue the kingdom and we actively pursue it as priority because some things in life only answer to the kingdom. There are things in, Jesus did not die for what you could have without him dying. Jesus did not die for what you could have by yourself. Money. If you work hard, you make money. So it's not money that Jesus came to die for. He died for something more tangible. Now because he died for a system, anybody that applies the system will get the system's results. Because God no longer has a sin problem. Whether you are cognizant of the system or not, if you stumble into kingdom principle, you will get kingdom results. How does a legitimate rich man prosper? By the kingdom. But you see, he didn't apply sowing and reaping because that is not a principle of the kingdom. That's why you have not prospered even though you are in the kingdom. Do you understand what I just said? Sowing and reaping is not a kingdom principle. You know kingdom principle? First Thessalonians 4, minding your business, paying attention to your business. He who does not walk shall not eat. He that cannot fend for his family is worse than an infidel. New Testament. That is kingdom. That's kingdom. So we have not prospered, not because God has not prospered us, but because we have not applied kingdom principles for prosperity. And it's not give money, get money. 
Give money, get money is not a kingdom principle. Are you hearing me? Deploy grace in your assignment and get results. But you, having all sufficiency in all things, can then abound unto every good work. And you have been graced with the grace. Why are you trying to tap a grace you already have? I tap into that grace. Are you mad? Are you shortchanging yourself? God used grace to all of the grace of God to save only you. Killed his son for one, just you, like this mic, one. And then you are trying to tap the grace that Caleb has. Think about it. Grace saved you. You now need to tap somebody else's one. As though it is transferable. Tap into that grace. I saw into that grace. No, that's not how Timothy caught it. (laughs) For since thy youth thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. Timothy studied his way. To it. It's not seed he sold into Paul's ministry. He traveled with Paul. He served into it. Kingdom principle. And that's why we're so messed up. Because we don't understand what the gospel saved us. We're not saved into the gospel to play church. Weekly activities. What we're doing here is just discipleship and fellowship. This. Discipleship and fellowship right now. We didn't come here to worship. That's why I can afford to teach and we didn't play one instrument and sing. Are you hearing me? Discipleship and fellowship. We come to catch up because we don't all live together. And somehow when we catch up together, because faith is corporate. That's why I can say, Fred, speak now. Speak what you're speaking. Because church will not happen. One person speaks, everybody listens. You come on on, 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 for service, we have to vet what you are saying before we give you pulpit. You know what I'm talking about? There's ministers waiting for you at the door. You know, you go to your ministers, speak to them. Who knows what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just stand here, come and give microphone. No. In doing that, we want to filter the undesirables. No, they have the spirit of God in them. Everybody who has the spirit of God can filter. If you can't filter, ask your brother who is stronger in the faith. He will help you. He'll help you. But we're trying to be God's police. To help God, my dear, FBI. Help God to filter what is getting to the people. So pastors will tell you, we can't preach grace because they will not think they can sin anyhow. Then you understand what John means when he says, therefore now many antichrists have gone out into the world. You refuse, you cover the finished work of Christ because you want a man to not sin. We should not sin. Let's not make them, let's not make, let's not, let's not make them irresponsible. The word... Seek you first in Matthew 6.33. Holy Spirit, help me. I, I, I don't feel like I should close, but I have to because of time. It's about 8.30 now. The words, 
First, in Matthew 6.33, seek ye first. I've explained to you what the word seek means. Yes. The word first is the word protos, from which you get the word prototype. Protos in Greek. And it doesn't mean first as in first of many. It doesn't mean seek ye first the kingdom of God and then secondly seek a wife and secondly seek children and then, and then thirdly seek a job and then... No, no. It's first means... Seek protos means priority. Foremost. So if the, 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 the real translation of first... Would have been only. <laughs> Protoss. Write it down. Don't just take my word for it. Please don't. I beg you. Don't just take my word for it. Yeah? Be a Berean believer. Zeteo in the Greek for seek. Z E T E O. The New Testament was written in Greek. Right? I explained to you guys over the honor code that Greek has over 10 times more vocab- words in its vocabulary than English. Yes. Okay, so you know. Like when the word faith is translated in the New Testament, it's not, it's not, it's, it's not meaning the same thing every time. Yeah? It's not the same thing. So when you're great, saved by grace through faith, it's different, a different context from when it says in Jude, contend earnestly for the faith. That faith there in Jude is referring to doctrine. Not saving faith that saves you. Because you're already saved. You're not contending to be saved. You're contending to keep sound doctrine. The word faith there is translated doctrine. Do you understand? Again, 1 Corinthians 12. Different from saving faith. Different from doctrine. The gift of faith. To believe for the impossible. Against all odds. And again, another context. Of faith. Do you understand? But English will say faith. And so preachers get confused. And they start arguing blindly. <laughs> so the word for first is the word protos. Protos. From which you get prototype. Out of this everything comes. Did you get it? <laughs> Explore Christ and his system. The kingdom and his righteousness. And not just do it actively. Do it as the only thing. That's what Jesus meant when he says in one of Fred's favorite stories in the New Testament, one thing is needful. And Mary has found it. And Mary got the kingdom. And that's why Jesus responded to Mary. Remember when Fred said that in his teaching, in his exhortation? Martha said the same thing. Mary came and said the same thing. And Mary got kingdom result. Because one thing was needful. Protoss. And Mary got it. So that's, that's what the word protoss means. Foremost. Principally. If you chase the kingdom the way you chase your job. By now, you, none of us should be able to recognize the earth. None of us. None of us. None of us. We should come together here and declare rain over state housing. And it will rain. We'll come together and say no rain. And it won't rain. Elijah did not have the cross. Did not have the blood. Did not have grace. Did not have the Holy Spirit resident in him. 
Elijah was a type of the prophets. Moses was a type of the law. So Jesus will always say the law and the prophets. Abraham told the guy, the rich man that died, he said they have the law and the prophets. Hmm? On Mount, on Mount of Transfiguration, the law and the prophets show up. I'm not done. God did not say, hear the law or hear the prophets. He said, no, now hear the son. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You have, hitherto you have heard the law. Hitherto you have heard the prophets. Now hear ye the son. Hebrews 1 verse 1. God who in time past has spoken through our fathers, the prophets, has now spoken expressly through his son. Leave the law. Leave the prophets. That's why Moses and Elijah appeared to escort us into the new covenant. End of law. End of prophets. That's why they showed up there. Oh, the the prophets had glory. The law had glory. Because as much as it's a ministry of death, it's faultless. Hebrews. Romans 7. 3. Faultless. But they couldn't save. They, they did their job. They kept us as guardians. Galatians 3. Schoolmaster. To lead us to Christ. So when Christ showed up, who better to escort us into it than the law and the prophets? To say, okay, we have done our bit. Hear ye him. And you stand there trying to please and kiss up to the signboard. Word and life. And you get to the signboard. Oh, what a beautiful signboard. Somebody's pointing right. Right, red in the spirit means the color, then three is the number of trinity. Five is the number of grace. Seven. And you are there, you're engrossed in biblical numerology. You are engrossed in types and shadows. You are, you are engrossed in, in cloud and water and, and, and what it means. And you're like, wow, these things, man. So, you know, when you kill a, a goat, a goat means this, a lamb means this, a sheep means that. And you're there and it's 5.30 and what a life. And it's 6 o'clock, it's what a life. It's six, 7.30, it's 8.30, what a life has come and has gone. And we have begun to reap the benefit of word and life. And you are here appreciating the signboard that should lead you to something. And not realizing that what you are trying to appreciate is done. And so we don't get kingdom results. Because the dispensation changed. You are stuck there in the law and the prophets. You trust, you're trying to prosper by tithe. No, it was law and it was prophet. And you come and try to argue with me and tell me, but tithe existed before the law. How? Oh, Abraham paid tithe to Melchizedek. Why did Jesus not reference tithe as Abrahamic? Why did Jesus reference tithe as law? The one scripture in Matthew 23 that you hold on to, to tithe. Oh, you, you pay tithe of mint and cumin. Jesus says, but you neglect the weightier matters of the law. So clearly he was referring to tithe as law. Not as Abraham, leave him out of it. Abraham did it once. It could have been law. It could have been law. So if your one New Testament reference for tithe is Jesus says you pay tithe. He wasn't telling them pay tithe. He's telling them you pay tithe on mint and cumin. And those are herbs and spices. 
So if you want to do New Testament tithe, you should be coming to pay tithe on, on curry and thyme. That's mint and that's cumin. Even his one reference to it does not include money. No agriculture. Don't let anybody fool you with stupidity. Human philosophy is Colossians 2 and high sounding nonsense. Remember? NLT. Mint and cumin. Herbs and spices. And he says you do that and you neglect the weightier matters of the law. So clearly Jesus was referring to tithe as law. They're, they're gone. No law. So if you come now and want to prosper by that, even if it worked then, it cannot work now. Because now we are hearing through the sun. We're hearing through the sun. Are you, are you getting this? And that's the gospel. So when you get born again, you get born again into a new kingdom, which is the original kingdom you came from. The kingdom you came from did not need tithe for you to prosper. The kingdom you came from did not need you to pray to be healed. The kingdom you came from did not need you to fast to see God. Every evening God came down and saw you as naked as you were, floating around in your birthday suit. And you guys fellowshiped for free. No revival service, no instruments, no music. So, so if we're doing this job well, very soon all of us should not need it and all of us should be doing it. Yeah. If, if, I'm doing it if I'm doing it well, all of us should not need it forever. Yes. Else you have not grown. So you grow to the point where you can go out there and do it. I will not be afraid. I'll be afraid. Oh, they have transferred you to, to Elorin. Hey, which church will you go? No, I should be excited that the church just moved to Elorin. I should be excited. I should be excited. And I don't care whether you start the fellowship and call it a branch of where you're coming from. It doesn't matter to me. Just carry light with you. Carry light with you. I don't care. Call it whatever you want to call it. If you want to institutionalize it, in other words, make it something that people can identify with, have a bank account, we will support you. Just carry light. Go. But you sit here over and over and over. I've told my guys here, Hebrews 6. Can we just leave elementary things? Not laying again the foundation. Baptisms. Repentance from dead works. Faith towards God. You know, eternal judgment. Foundational. It says, says, please, are you about to seriously? You're about to make me write about this again? Scroll. That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. And it's from that understanding that you know that I cannot do this. Or I ought to do that. It's not as though every moment you're like, I'm not sure what to do. No, you ought to know. You ought to get to the point where you know. You ought to get to the point where you know. That this is the express will of God. Because it's no longer hidden, it's revealed. Second Corinthians 2. We're not trying to identify the will of God. We know it. We know it. And then we all go back to become kings and priests. We do it as priority. It's priority. Conforming to God's standard. Can we say that together? It's a display of our righteousness in Christ. Conforming to God's standard is a display of our righteousness in Christ. So I'm not going to bribe somebody because I don't want to 
miss heaven. I am not going to bribe because the kingdom I'm from doesn't have to and need to bribe. And I know it will be tough, but I'd rather stand my ground until the kingdom answers to me. Listen, whatever you compromise to get, you have to compromise to keep. Do you understand what I just said? Whatever you compromise to get, you will compromise to keep. You sleep with the lecturer once, line up. Because once you start once, you, you get ready. And these guys will tell all their colleagues in university, they are, they, there's marks you carry that by which they identify those that they have been able to sleep with to get for marks. And so they start to pass you around. Once you succumb to one. So we're not telling you to keep your legs together in, in order to be righteous. We're telling you, do you know who you are and where you are operating from? You are bigger than that. And there's a way in authority you would tell your lecturer, you can't try with me, that he would know. Yes. They would know. Yes. Sir, no, no. Sir. <laughs> sir, sir, but I've been busy. So I tell my girls all the time, if you don't like a guy, don't, don't give him consolation prize. Yeah. Nigerians, you know what I mean? First prize, one million, and a car. First runner up, 500,000. Third run, second runner up, third prize, 250,000. And 40 consolation prizes of one, one, one cooler each. <laughs> Basically, to try and encourage you that you didn't exactly lose like that. You know what I mean, right? So you, you know that you are not equally yoked with this person. You don't want to give him the prize or the second position or the third. So you offer him consolation prize. Oh, we can just be friends. All the enemy needs is one inroad. Oh, I, I gave him my number so he will not disturb me. You gave him your number so that he will not disturb you. You see, the light bulb just came up. Light bulb just came on in somebody's head. And that is the culture of the kingdom. If we don't teach you that, we have not taught you anything. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm very sure, I'm very sure you're a decent guy. I mean, you look well brought up, you look put together and everything. But I'm sorry, this is not for me at the moment. I wish you the very best in your, in your endeavors, your pursuits, and, and God bless you. D-I-K-A-I-O-S. That's the word translated righteous in the Greek. And it means approval of God. Makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah? Approval of God or, or conformity to God's word. Oh my God. I wish I could finish this tonight. But I have to close. So we, conformity to God's standard is a display of our righteousness in Christ, that's kingdom cultured three, right? Kingdom cultured one, we are actively to pursue or to actively pursue the kingdom. Two, we pursue the kingdom as priority. Three, we show our conformity to God's standard by displaying our righteousness in Christ. So it informs everything we do. We just know instinctively you can't do this. Does that make sense? You just know instinctively you can't do this. And once it starts, it becomes a ripple effect. It's a ripple effect. It spreads across. We know that we're on time. We know we're punctual. We know we're not going to excuse that. You're running late. You apologize for running late. You don't, you, you are not the, you're the one that is late and you're the one that gets offended. And it's not only 10 minutes I was late. You don't have the culture of the kingdom. Hello? You don't. 
you are home with all your friends and sisters and you're eating and you're, you're trying to eat five spoons for every one spoon. You don't have the culture of the kingdom. So now you see how the early church used to stay all night teaching the word. Because I don't mind teaching till midnight. And I'll still not be done. But this is, this is the culture of the kingdom. I'll stop here. I, don't, I, I hate it. But I have to. This is the culture of the kingdom. And this is what we're trying to build. Kingdom cultured relationships. Business transactions going flawlessly because you know you're dealing with the most fearful person to do business with is a believer. Especially in the same fellowship. They're the ones that will not pay. They're the ones that will not pay commensurate to the service they get. They're the ones that will owe you and then insult your Jesus on top. Are we not all in the same church? We are cultureless. And until we get to this point, we are not yet at the unity of the faith. This is what the cross paid for. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Until the finished work translates to a culture, we are lagging behind. Until it translates to a culture. Well, listen, if you are doing business with your fellow believer, especially of the same company, because they are different companies. Yeah. Same fold. Mm-hmm. One church. Different companies. Yeah. When Peter and James were released in Acts chapter 4, they didn't go to the company in Colossae. That was in chapter 4, I think verse 23. And when they were released, they went back to their own company to report what had happened. If you're doing business with one of your company, you should do it with reverence. You should slow down and do it properly because you're doing it with a member of the body. You shouldn't do it lackadaisically. After all, it's it's Fred now. What? We see each other four times a week. But we should do business one another with reverence. Reverence. If we say we're going to pay at this time, let's pay at this time. That's when we're reflecting the cross. If you cannot do, say, I'm very sorry. To disappoint you, but I can't meet up. Don't be like them that swear heaven and earth that you can d- deliver that contract in three days. And you, you know that it takes you seven days to do it. You know. Or if I tell them that it's, it takes seven days, they will take you to somebody else. But if you carve a niche for yourself, and they know that in seven days is seven days, and it comes out as expected, you will build your own clientele for yourself. And if we are the church, we, I've said it in this house over and over, I will say it until I'm old and gray. We in this church, if we become the church and become kingdom culture, no craftsman in this church should be looking for customers. I mean, look at how many of us here. If you were a barber, there's at least 20 heads here you can bab once or twice a month. You don't need to believe God or make it a prayer point for God to send you customers. Talk to me now. If you're a hairdresser, man, come on. You, fashion, we have so many fashionistas in this house. You will still not find anybody in this. You are so much of a diva that there's no tailor in this fold that can sew your dress. And you think it doesn't matter. No, that is the culture of the kingdom. So we are carrying ministry money. And I say ministry money, money of people in the ministry. All of us are in ministry. We are all called for the work of ministry, Ephesians 4. And we're giving it to the system of the world. So we are propping up the world's government. We're making the world richer. Adding to the GDP of the world. 
No, me, I, know, I, know. I, don't, I can't do it here. That's how we build the kingdom. Is anybody hear what I'm saying? You have a law issue. There's Minica. There's Fred. You go and pay consultation to somebody else. But when you come to Fred, you expect Fred should do it for you for free. Because the blood paid for it. <laughs> you go to a hospital. You, you have to buy a card. Open file. You come to Dr. Jesse. No, my friend. God sends you to medical school because of me. So you come to me to produce you. And, and, I, and I give you a price. You say, ah, pastor. It's youth choir. Oh. So I sat them down. And I said, let me explain to you. My petrol does not burn slower. Because I'm recording youth choir. My computer does not consume less memory. Because it's youth choir. I'm recording. Nepa does not say, oh, between Monday and Thursday. It was young people you were recording. Yeah, so we will charge you less electricity. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and that was the end. I'm not going to reduce the music I'm doing for you. But when you want to say that, the first thing that will come to your mouth is, hey, pastor. That's, that's, that's witchcraft, manipulation. I'm serious. It's manipulation. Ah, pastor is, is, is us now. We don't want to pay. We don't want to pay on time. We don't want to be on time. We don't want to respect. We don't want to forgive. We don't want to honor. We don't want to sing our own songs. If we don't teach the culture of the kingdom, the next generation is lost. Some of them are here. It's lost. We instill, we have to instill kingdom values. You don't know. If you put a gun to your head now, what would you say? You don't have the culture of the kingdom. Leave all the nonsense. Shaka pa pa pa, rada balako, shidada. That's not that's not it, oh. That's not the kingdom. It's in the demonstration of the Holy Ghost and of power. That's not the kingdom. Can you stand for it? Can you take a bullet for it? The kingdom is not God. Thou shall. Uh, encompass me with favor as a shield. Nobody can shoot me. The kingdom is I am ready to spend and be spent for this and die for it. That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. Did you hear what I just said? It's not the bullet will not enter. No, is it it possible? Absolutely yes. But the kingdom is not that the bullet will not enter. The bullet, the kingdom is if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Whether we live or we die to the Lord. That's the kingdom. The kingdom has not been afraid of death. To, be, to, to, to die now is to be alive with Christ. That's what Paul said. That's the kingdom. This thing is, this, I told you this is my message. It's heavy on my heart. I can teach it all night. Until we instill those values in our kids. It's, it's hopeless. Until we instill them. And we start to walk in the light of the kingdom. If I have money to spend... Why should I give a cook outside to cook when there's somebody in here? And I've said before, if the spices are not the way you want, let us work together on it and arrive at being able to get the spice right. That's kingdom. There's a builder here, he doesn't quite work it well. Let's put our heads together until we can get it right. Not throw him away and go and get somebody else. 
Aquila and Priscilla were tent makers. They, they worked tent together with them, Paul. We don't know who was better. We don't know who influenced or, or mentored the other. But we know they did the same business together. And there was enough business to go around. Father, help us. I, I, I got to let these people go. Ah, Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom came. Thy kingdom is in us. And so we walk in the light of it. In the name of Jesus, who is the kingdom, who is its righteousness, who is the key, who is the door, who is the way, who is the shepherd, who is the author, who is the finisher, who is the destination of our faith. And we give you all the thanks and all the praise in Jesus' name. Can we celebrate God tonight? This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.